Welcome to Three Things with Rick Elias, featuring fascinating conversations with some of the world's most insightful people and three inspiring life lessons at the end of every episode. Today's guest is Walter Green. He's a former CEO, a best-selling author, and he's been Rick's friend for more than 30 years. But this episode focuses on the most recent chapter of Walter's life and his work founding the Say It Now movement. Say It Now inspires people to live a happier, more purposeful life by expressing more gratitude and by having living tributes. The point is to honor people who have had a significant impact on us now, not at funerals where it's too late. Rick and Walter discuss the original inspiration for Say It Now, how to practice gratitude in everyday life, and how to design your life for better outcomes. If you enjoy this conversation, we recommend checking out Walter's recent TEDx talk called Why We Should Eulogize the Living, which is linked in our episode description. As Walter says, it's often too late, but never too soon. This is Three Things with Walter Green. Today on the podcast, I have someone super special. And I know that I say that a lot, but you and I have known each other for 30 years. It's great to have you with me today, Walter. Thanks for including me, Rick. I'm looking forward to our conversation. I want to start kind of on your second act. I think it was about 26 years ago that you sold the company that you own and you were the CEO of for also 26 years. So it's kind of that middle point in your journey. I am very curious, how did you know it was time to sell your company? Yeah, so uh, the 27 year, 26, 27 year cycle, it took me 27 years to actually join this company when it was a startup company. So those 27 years I learned a lot and there was a lot of life there. Uh, But I had that indelible impression that was caused by uh, my father dying when I was 17 and he was 53. And I, and his brother died, my father, my uncle died at 53. And I thought, what if my life is not that long? I have been taking care of myself for many, many years, but I know life is short and unpredictable. And I wanted it to have something other than a business career. So when I was 58, that's when I sold the company. And I was more than ready at that time. Interesting how, you know, you and I were just having lunch and talking about how our life's challenges end up being uh, gifts if we if we tend if we show to uh, or, or decide to look at at them that way. And for you, losing your father and your uncle give you clarity as well that you want to live with some level of urgency. I never heard you say that. Yeah. So I I would say uh, you know in all candor my it was my mother who really wanted children. Uh, so um, I didn't have a really close relationship with my dad, but I learned an enormous amount from his death. Mm. You know, he had a heart attack when I was 11. Mm. He was 47. So yellow flag was raised when I was young. And so I grew up fast. I had jobs selling shoes when I was in a teenager. Mm. So that was a great gift. It was a painful gift for my father, but I, I really think one of the reasons that I had early leadership positions was that I really was more mature than my contemporaries. I never ask myself what I am going to do. Uh, I know that's what most people do. What are you going to do? Um, I, 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 never, I never think about the activity. I always think about if 
I'm now 58, I'm living in Southern California. If these next five years were really ideal five years, how would I know it? What would be happening in my life for mm-hmm. me to look back and say, those are really brilliant things that happened in order for me to be there. Once I get the framework of what I want, and it's not just what I want in philanthropy or in health or in finances or relationships, it's really all of the central parts of my life. And I describe indicators of how I would know they were achieving what I want. And then after I got that framework, which is something I've been doing probably for 40 years, mm-hmm. um, I then look for circumstances that could get me to those outcomes. Mm. So it completely takes me out of the doing mode. It's interesting because in sports, uh, sport in particular, there's this visioning of things, visioning of outcomes. What you're talking about is visioning of a state of being, of a feeling that you want to have in a point in the future as that framework that you have used to guide a lot of your energy. In addition to the feeling, Rick, every one of the outcomes have a measurable aspect to them. Mm-hmm. So it's not only feeling it, it's actually indicators that would give me reason to believe that I'm achieving it. So it's um, it's driven by the head and the heart. They're, they're, both, they're yeah. both at work. Yeah. Yeah. And if I, you know, they say if you leave something in a bottle in the ocean, I would say what I learned, and it turns out I learned it from a blind man in New Hampshire when I was in my 30s, probably taught it to so many people. And it gets everybody out of the contemporary, what am I doing, to getting alignment on what's really important and then looking for ways to actually get to that outcome. You know, someone may, that meets you at this stage in life will think, okay, here's a guy that, you know, levitates, has everything, has incredible relationships, has incredible perspective and wisdom and wealth and all, all, all that one would want, health. But adversity has played a role in everybody's life. When you think about adversity, how have you used adversity for you as a way of growing as an individual? Yeah, well, it probably depends on uh, what time. I can think of three three times in my life. Uh, I had early adversity in the 20s. Frankly, just surviving that was terrific. I just, <laughs> just, just knowing that I really was in very uh, difficult emotional health mm-hmm. and that I actually survived it. I always thought I had to make sure I never failed in life because I couldn't deal with it. Mm-hmm. Guess what? I can. So far. So that was number one. Number two, I had a time when I was traveling. Lola and I loved to travel around the world. And I was on the island of Corsica and had to have immediate operation. There was only one doctor on the island that could have done this. Uh, done this. If they didn't do it that night, I would have died. And I remember really saying at that time, uh, you know, I've, I've been doing some fairly good things for the last several years of my that's after I retired. I said, I'm not done. I said, if you'd give me a if you give me some more time, I promise, I promise I will continue to do those things. Now I'm not suggesting that anybody has a direct connection. I sure don't have a direct connection. But that really gave me strength to get through that and I did survive it. And I never forgot that promise that I made. The third one, the most powerful, uh, was that I brought gratitude to the issue. 
mm-hmm. and that I was empowered by my sense of how much I've enjoyed and how blessed I've been. And so there we have three dramatically, really all of them were life-threatening, mm-hmm. serious, life-threatening moments. One was the thrill of surviving, two was a commitment to the higher authority, and three was tapping into profound gratitude that I had no idea would have that kind of power. Gratitude is, literally, if there was a word to describe you, that is your power. That's how you live ever since I met you. You wrote a book in 2010, you started a movement in 2022, all around gratitude. Tell us more about how you leverage gratitude to inspire your daily life. Well, even though you may have seen evidences that earlier in my life, yeah, it was probably when I was around 50, was the first time I actually consciously awakened. I remember my 50th birthday. I remember that I never had any close friends growing up because we moved every two years. That's a whole story in itself. But I never had time to make a friend. So I was in my 30s. I still didn't, still didn't have any good friends in my whole life. And I thought, wow, I, I really miss this. And so I finally had some stability and stopped moving. We had lived in 16 different cities by the time I was 29. So finally had some stability. I started actually making friends. And I said, oh my God, this is what I, you know, in life I think you either appreciate something you have, but more likely you appreciate it more when you don't have it. So I was like, oh my God, I've got one, two, three, four, five friends. So I, for my 50th birthday, I invited them to this really extravagant, seemed to me at the time, because my resources (laughs) weren't that much at the time. I invited them along with family into New York for a weekend. And I specifically at the reception, went from one to the other, telling them the impact that they had on my life. I think that was really the beginning of it. From that, evolved into my 70th birthday. I, I saw these gorgeous funerals when I was in my 60th. And I remember Tim Russert's funeral, I think he had 1,500 people, former presidents and celebrities, and the tributes paid to him were unbelievable. And I thought, wow, He's not going to hear a word of it. That didn't make sense to me. And I said, well, why do we do that? Why do we wait? That's so true. Right? Until we either know we're dying or, or worse yet, we're gone. So I decided uh, that I would not want that to be how I look back on my life. And decided I would go and visit with each of the people and literally tell them what I would have told them if I ever had to show up at their funerals. It turned out to be 44 people. It took a year to do it, created some mementos. But that elevated my power of this conscious appreciation of gratitude. A good friend of mine said to me, Walter, listen, uh, I I wonder if you'd really have a nice party for me when I go. I said to him, I said, Denny, don't you want to be at the party? And he said, Walter, you know, that's not how it works. (laughs) I said, well, Denny, how it works makes no sense. Give me the list of the people you would invite your celebration of life. We're going to have a 75th birthday party. If you do that, I'll do your celebration of life. He said, okay, we got a deal. We had a fantastic time. People paid tribute to him. He loved it. Everybody got to say what they wanted to say. Having, having been a part of these, they're incredibly powerful. <laughs> Walter, um, you're, just, you're such an amazing 
person in it. You and I tend to speak every December at a minimum. Like we always set up a, a call for the end of the year and I took copious notes and I went back for the, in preparation for this and I was, I, was, I was amazed at how much of your philosophy really, really affected my philosophy. But, but I'm curious as you have dealt in this second kind of stage of life, what are some of the habits that have really helped you live such a fulfilled second chapter in your life? I would say is that I'm really very intentional. That has been such a rewarding habit. It was not a new habit when I sold my company. So by being intentional, I have magnified the number of things that I do. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, I do very few things that aren't aligned with those outcomes that I described. I've never been the smartest person in the room. Never in any group. Not the fifth grade, not college, not in business, not later in life. Not. I don't read very well. I have some some shortcomings, uh, which I develop some comp- compensating qualities. But the capacity to be aligned in your life is so empowering. First of all, I... I I can't think about looking back about things I didn't do because I did all the things that were aligned. And so being intentional, I, I gets back to this being clear about the outcome. And to me, it's been the most important habit to accomplish the things that are most important in my life. What are you most curious about right now? First of all, the idea that I'm alive at 84, I remember <laughs> I remember when I was in a uh, personal development program in this young president's organization, and the instructor said, close your eyes, now visualize yourself 75, think about what's what going on. What did you visualize? I black, it was black, <laughs> tears started coming from my eyes. Really? And so afterwards, I was so upset by the experience, I went up to her, I said, listen, I, I don't know what's going on. She says... Well, did you ever have anything that would influence that you don't think you're going to be here? And of course, it goes back to the earlier story about my dad. So I, it was black. So now I'm 84. Uh, I still work out, still have great friends, uh, still travel, still engage. Now trying to start a movement, a global movement that's now in 67 countries around the world. So what excites me is the possibilities that an 84 year old guy might be able to ignite a global movement at this stage of his life that really excites me is this it or there may be another act in here well this is a big act because it is this this is big this is potentially is there an encore maybe an encore to this yeah uh well you know i'm writing another book so there is I love it I'm writing a book I I just released a song um, uh, to support the movement Uh, right Um, I recently completed a TED talk so I'm doing a number of things because really it's it sounds pretty egotistical but can you imagine the idea that Millions of people will have connected with people who have been important in their lives, have let them know, have got the joy of expressing it, and everybody around them will hear about the conversations. And 
I will eliminate the regrets that those people have for things they wish they had said. Amazing. That to me is something not only will continue for the rest of my life, but I hope will continue after I'm no longer here. I'm pretty sure it will. What, a, what an incredible legacy. You know, joy is something that I think you prioritize. You create experiences, you create celebrations. What gives you joy these days? Well, what transcends almost every part of my life are my relationships. I don't really work to get joy. Joy is a byproduct mm. of my intentional life. I don't know how to seek happiness. I know how to seek what's important to me and the outcome of that is happiness. And in many ways it's how we choose to internalize that that creates that feeling too, right? We can have the same experience and it can manifest something very different in each of us. And I think you do a superb job in manifesting it as gratitude and as joy. And I think that's, that's something I've always learned from you. So no matter what, it comes back to relationships and joy. I remember uh, when the, the plane landed in the Hudson and the email that you wrote me saying, hey, please don't, don't call back, don't do anything, but I hope that you use this and the energy that it produces is uh, with the thought that there's somebody out there that did not want you to go and that you have to do that to do some great things in the world. And I've never forgotten that. It was a real gift of all the messages I got that day. I remember that at the top of the list. Well, thank you for mentioning that. You know, and you highlight another thing, which is there's so many things we do in our life. We have absolutely no idea of the benefit they have for the other person. Mm -hmm. And that's why I keep saying, wake up, let that person know, I remember what you said. I have people in my life, they've, to them it was an incidental remark, but it made a real difference to me. And that, I think, is... Another reason why I'm really encouraging people, like I don't even remember this story, I've known you for 30 years, don't even know that story. I think most of us feel we're here to make a difference. I mean, if you said, Walter, why are we here? For me, that's it. If you can't make a difference. So when you get confirmation that you're making a difference, it's really special. And how much I'm trying to elevate people's consciousness towards doing that. Yeah because it establishes the other person's validity of their life. Mm -hmm. And it's actually in the hands of other people. So I don't think I will know how I'm remembered. For sure my idea of who I am is not the real person. The real person is how we're perceived by others. Mm -hmm. And if people don't share what that is, we will never fully appreciate who we are. Well said. You've been married to Lola, who's an amazing woman for 60 years, right? 60 years, you guys, celebrated our 60th. You know, I know that every marriage has its challenges, but what I've admired now every time we talk is how you talk about her, how do you talk about your relationship, how you hold that as paramount uh, in what you prioritize. What are the lessons that you can give other people that are, are in their journey of a marriage so that when you're at your stage, you're, you, you've held that relationship at, at that level with that esteem? I can only really speak to why it's worked for me. I will say this hands down, I'm proud of a lot of things in my life, but there will be nothing that competes with 
my good fortune and, and having the relationship that I do with my wife and to be able to enjoy it for that longer period of time. We went through a lot of cycles together. Many times we didn't have any economics and any financials and so we've economized together. We've built a family together. We've traveled together. We've had a, a number of experiences together and I see the challenges of understandably people make changes in their marriages and I understand that. I think the answer to me is that we've been really passionate about each other. Not just talking physically, I'm talking we just really crazy about each other and so an ideal time for me is just spending time with her and the fact that that could be a feeling that I still have after 60 years. The reality, Walter, is what you're saying is you have made this, and I'm sure she has too, your most important objective in life is to maintain a happy and healthy marriage and make the other person important or most important and then a lot of other things happen versus try to fit them in. I can tell you that I get, I get asked a lot of questions, a lot of times, who are your mentors? And I really don't feel like I've ever had a mentor. I view my journey as a mosaic of many, many people that I have the benefit and ability to learn from. But I can't think of anybody in my mosaic that has more pieces than you. Yeah. And reflecting on all those emails and all those conversations, and you know, like I told you, it's 170 emails back and forth. I was reading them for this, and I had to stop one because it made me realize that I could never prepare because there was too much material. But it also made me realize how important you've been to me, and how your example on one how to always evolve and keep growing, but more importantly, how to do something for others as a way of paying it forward. It's been remarkable. I, I'm pretty sure that my life will be very different if I had not been influenced by you. So, Walter, I love you dearly. I love you, Rick, and thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you. We started this podcast because I would find myself in amazing conversations with friends, hoping I could share those conversations with others. Walter was very much at the top of that list. Here are three things that I took away from our discussion today, but have always, always been true in my conversations with Walter. Number one is Walter's practice of visualizing his life at some point in the future and being very clear about what it will take for that life to manifest itself. Number two is the immense power of gratitude. Those who receive it feel validated and those who give it experience love in its purest of forms. And number three, is that making a difference for others is the sure way to live a life of purpose and joy. Rick shared his three things, but we want to know your takeaways as well. Find at Rick Elias on social media and let us know your thoughts on this conversation. And be sure to check out additional content, videos, and more at our blog, threethings.redventures.com. Thanks for listening.